Welcome to the I Am Woman Project. I am your host, Catherine Plano. I am a creative soul adventurer, a modern day alchemist, and on a mission to empower the conscious people of this world, those who seek to learn, grow, understand, and become the very best version of themselves that they can be. Every week, we have thought leaders, change instigators, and inspirational human beings from around the globe that offer you profound teachings and recent discoveries from the world of neuroscience, positive, cognitive, and spiritual psychology to help you build wealth, health, love, and achieve lasting transformation. So join us here every week for new lessons on how to lead a life that matters, how to escalate your life after failure, and how to inject more meaning connection and resilience into your life and your business. As a way to thank our guests for their time, energy and wisdom, we would love to demonstrate our appreciation, gratitude and admiration. We would love to hear from you. What was your key takeout from today's session? By writing a review in Apple Podcasts with our guest's name and insight. And when you do, please make sure to take a photo and send your photo to support at katherineplano.com.au and we will send you a personalized cosmic blueprint for free. It's a report based on your unique birth chart to discover your true calling and how you can best make a difference in the world. Thank you. This week, as always, we have a super, super amazing guest for you. We have the beautiful Jessica Lanyado. Jessica is an internationally respected astrologer and psychic medium with fans and clients across the globe. She has been working to help people help themselves in one-on-one consultations since 1995 and writing her weekly horoscope since 2000. And three, Jessica is the host of the twice weekly astrology and advice show, Ghost of a Podcast. In 2019, Jessica co-hosted TLC's digital show, Stargazing. She was the weekly astrologer for the San Francisco Bay Guardian from 2003 until it closed in 2014. She has written astrology columns for varied publications, including The Hoodwitch, Girlboss, Oyster, and many more. Jessica has lectured extensively on astrology and is well respected with the astrological community for her unique and pragmatic approach. Approach. She was named the best psychic in San Francisco by both Refinery29 and SF Weekly. As a psychic medium, Jessica can facilitate conversations between you and those that have crossed over and can also communicate with animal friends as an animal communicator. It's now time to tune into this one very inspirational human being. Enjoy. Well, today I am super excited about our guest. We've got the beautiful Jessica Lanyado. Welcome to I Am Woman Project. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really thrilled uh, to get to sit down and talk to you. Well, I can't wait to get into the conversation and I'm sure our listeners are going to really love what's going to come out of this conversation. So we always love to start with our first question is, what is your unique story, Jessica? What inspired you to do what you do today? You know, I I love I love that question because it's so easy over the course of life to forget one's own uniqueness, right? You just kind of are like going through the motions of life. And what I do is pretty unique. I'm an astrologer and an animal communicator and a psychic medium. Um, but I always was interested in doing what I do. Um, I remember being, I think I must've been like six years old and sitting on a hot wheels and, uh, thinking about astrology. And I was always really interested in astrology. And when I went to, um, an alternative, I'm I'm living in the U S but I'm originally from Canada. And, um, when I went to an alternative CJEP, which is like a form of college, Uh, and I took my first astrology course, I was just like, okay, this is what I'm going to do with my life. And I 
didn't really think about it. I just was like, okay, I'm going to move to San Francisco and I'm going to become an astrologer. And that's what I did in 1994. And, uh, everything that's kind of happened since then is all seemed very kind of uh, mundane and, and kind of common feeling to me because it's my own life. But I imagine that it's maybe somewhat unique because I, as I developed my private practice as a, a consulting astrologer over the course of, you know, the first decade of doing that, uh, my psychic ability started emerging more and more loudly. And my ability as a medium, again, emerged more and more loudly. And I just kept on following these things and developing and exploring them. And, and, um, yeah, and it's just kind of, it's, it's just how I've lived my, my life for the last many years. Wow. I'm really curious because you mentioned uh, animal communicator and I have to share this, uh, with you. Actually, my husband and I just probably about, uh, two weeks ago, we watched Dr. Doolittle and I was like, wouldn't it be really cool? We've got six dogs. Would it be really cool to be able to speak to animals? So talk me through that. How do you sure. communicate with animals? Oh, as a kid, I, I used to watch Dr. Doolittle as well and, and just thought it was the, the greatest thing in the world. Communicating with animals is much simpler than you would think. The way that, broadly speaking, because different animals, of course, communicate in different ways, and then not all dogs communicate in the same way, just like not all humans communicate in the same way. But broadly speaking, animal communication happens through pictures. Uh, it happens through, so that sounds like telepathy, but telepathy has all these connotations with it. So it's, I, I would not describe it as telepathy. Uh, it, it's more pictures. So kind of the evidence that you probably have of that is when you picture taking one of your dogs to the vet and you know, you're going to get in the car, you're going to get the leash, you're going to get in the car, you're going to go to the vet. That dog is most likely to be very stressed and know something's going on because you're picturing it and you're showing your dog that picture. Animals um, really are not conversational in the same way that we are. They don't, you know, different animals are different, of course, but they don't process in the same way we do. They don't feel the need to communicate in the same way we do, but they absolutely communicate. And, you know, I personally have two cats. One of them is very conversational. He's constantly, you know, interacting with me, talking to me, sharing things with me. And my other cat has no interest whatsoever. Like she'll almost never communicate with me because uh, she doesn't care. <laughs> so it's it's a really, it's, a, it's an important thing whenever I describe this to also remember the personhood of animals because not all, not all animals actually want to communicate with humans, but when they do, it is, it is simply through pictures. So, so, and I, I totally get what you're saying, because I know that, you know, for me, there's, I do have this, I'm really, I'm a huge empath, ultra sensitive. So every time something goes on with my dog, I go into a little panic. Um, mm -hmm. And so I know that I'm more conscious of it than I am passing on my energy onto my, and my little pooches. But when you're saying you get the pictures, is this when it's it's more so what you, the pictures you're projecting onto your animal, or is this that the pictures that come up these like little insights uh, when you're with your animal as that's their way of communicating to you? It's probably a little bit of both, actually. You know, if you want to show your dogs, if you want to communicate with your dogs, okay, I'm leaving the house and I will be back after dark what you would want to do is think that really clearly, but here's the trick. It's picturing you walking through the door with the right, you know, visual of the, of the light, you know, the after dark light, the dogs being happy, you being happy, picturing them being in the house, happy and safe throughout the day with you not there. But the, the trick is your emotions need to be present as you visualize and project out the picture. And if we just do it cognitively, if we just do it through our minds, it doesn't work. Um, so if you overthink it is what I'm trying to say, it doesn't work. But if you're emotionally present with kind of picturing them in the house alone and then picturing you walking through the door when it's dark out and everybody's happy and everybody's well-fed, 
and your emotions are present through all of those pictures. And this whole exercise can take less than a minute, but it is, it is, you have to be really intentional in doing that. You are showing them something that you might verbally say to a person. And similarly, uh, some animals can share pictures with you. Um, that's I think a lot trickier and harder for most people, um, to receive. We're very dense as humans. Um, but, but yeah, it is, it is absolutely possible, but most frequently it's more effective to focus on like being a good communicator. That'll help you to eventually become a better listener to your animals. Mm, I love that. So you're, you're really projecting as if, and obviously with the emotions is what really fuels the, mm-hmm. the visual, the visualization and the way that you communicate with animals. I love that. I'm going to give that a go. That's awesome. Now yeah. The, it, you're gone. Oh, sorry. No. I'll just briefly say, you know, in my private practice over the course of many years, I have clients come in and, you know, I ask them questions or I look at their chart and sometimes, you know, I get a little stumped or they don't really share. And when they have animals, I'll often just talk to the animals and I'll say to them, so what's going on at home? And our animal friends are our friends and they are listening to us. They are listening to what we're telling them on purpose and they're listening to what we're not telling them on purpose because we are communicating whether or not we mean to be and whether or not, um, you know, we, we understand it. And I think that that's a really important thing to know is that our animals, our animal friends, uh, animals in general have personhood, you know, they, and that's, I think a really kind of key part in understanding animal communication is understanding that whether or not you understand their personhood or you know how to think about their personhood they still have it Mm, it reminds me of when um seth one of my dogs passed away and i was devastated and uh, i went and saw a kinesiologist and uh, my husband and i had planned to go this was for our honeymoon go to hawaii in kona island and um, i was going to take some of his ashes with me to actually we were going for a walk on the volcano and you know and um, I was going to leave the ashes with Pale, the, the goddess of the volcano and when uh, this uh, lady was working on me she said I have a message from your dog and of course I had all these tears I was bawling my eyes out and she said um, he's asking you not to take the ashes to Hawaii I was lying down lucky I was lying down I think I would have fallen to the ground <laughs> and I'm like what and she said, yeah, he, he actually is asking you not to take his ashes. He wants to be left at home. And so that was like really profound for me. So as you're talking through that, I was just thinking about that moment. Mm. Mm. And it, that makes sense to me because, you know, if we think from the perspective of the animal in question, so you and I are talking about dogs, but we can think about ladybugs or hawks or cats or fish, Right. When you think from the perspective of an animal, it makes sense that a dog would not want to get on a plane and go maybe on a helicopter or on a long hike after, you know, like it's home dogs are pack animals, right? Um, and if your dog had a really happy life at home, why would, why would they want to leave? It's, it's a really, it's an exercise in thinking outside of oneself to really communicate with animals. Yeah, I, I, it's, it's interesting you say that because there was um, a conversation that I had with my husband not that long ago. We we're talking about moving and we, I've got this big calling to go back to France. I don't know what it is. I've got this massive calling to go back to France to the point where I look for properties, blah, blah, blah. The only thing that stops me is how we're going to get all our pooches across. Mm. Um, because that's that's for me it's like I wouldn't just put them in a cage in a plane they would have to sit in the plane with me or I said we could even catch a ship across and hire a room and just you know even if it takes us a month to get there but yeah so that sounds so much better to me as well I mean that's the thing is also it's such a long flight I mean it's an insanely long flight Mm. so I I I think that I think that also, you know, when planning a move, this is, this is actually a great example of when you want to communicate with your animal friends to let them know that there will be instability and you will be stressed out and that that stress is not something that is an indicator of what's to come. It's an indicator of what is because, you know, understandably your animal friends are going to be used to you being stressed out right before something bad happens. But when it comes to a move, often the, the bad thing is the planning and not the move itself. 
right? So it's really important when we're moving with animals that we take pains to show them I am stressed, not because of what's coming, but just because I'm doing all this busy work that makes you stressed out. And, you know, and that when we land, we will land in a safe place and we will stay together. And, you know, the, the instability, I'm going to protect you from as much of it as I can to show them pictures of that can really help them a lot, mm. a lot. And it can feel silly for a lot of people to just sit around picturing things for their animals, but it's, you know, Worst case scenario, it's silly. Best case scenario, you're really helping your friend, you mm. know, and you're, you're, you're showing them respect. And that is, I think, really valuable. Mm, I love that. Thank you so much. Uh, we needed to have this conversation. I feel at ease now. Yes. The other thing you talked about is the, you, your psychic abilities were really um, woken up as you were deep diving into astrology. And I've seen some people that intuitively read astrology charts without knowing the depth of astrology. Is that, I know you understand the depth of it and the ins and outs, but is that what started happening with you? Like it started speaking to you? Oh, that's interesting. I, I wouldn't say so. Not for me. For me, I gravitated towards astrology because it's, such a thorough system and it's such an old system that it's been very well vetted and researched. Um, and you know, I would say it's, you know, it's more detail. I really love psychotherapy. I, I really value it. I have a therapist. I'm a big fan. Um, but I would say that astrology is in some ways more of a detailed and organized system for understanding the human condition and human nature, uh, than psychology is. Um, and because there's math to it. Right. Uh, and so I was really focused on studying astrology. I really dedicated just so much of my time to study and apply what I learned, uh, as an astrologer. So when the psychic stuff and the mediumship and even the animal communication started to emerge, it was through client consultations. Uh, and it was not about astrology. It would be, um, so I remember in my early years, so in my early years of, of doing intuitive work, somebody came to me for a reading and do you mind if I tell a quick story here? We're all about stories, darling. Okay. Okay, great. Well, let me go then. Okay. So somebody came to me for a reading and uh, she had like read an article about me and uh, she was like, I want you to tell me about this man that, that I'm dating. And I was like, well, I, I can't do that. You know, it's not an astrology question. And she was like, I have faith in you. I want you to do this. And I was like, no, you should not have faith in me. I cannot do this. And she insisted. And so she gave me some ring this guy had given her and I was, had bad boundaries because I was a much younger person. And I was like, okay, well, if you want to pay for it, I guess I can try, but it's not going to work. So I held the ring in my hands. And all of a sudden, I, this image of this man bloomed in my mind. I could see him. He was bald. He was short. He was not that cute. And uh, I had all, I had just had all this, like this knowledge about him. And I assumed I was wrong because she was young and gorgeous. This guy was much older and objectively not good looking in my view. <laughs> I don't know. Um, and so I thought, I thought I must be wrong, but I told her what I saw and she was like, that's him. That's him. And everything I said, she said it was right. And I was like, okay, that's weird. And then she gave me this other piece of jewelry that this other man had given her. And cause she was like stuck between two men. And, um, I again saw another short bald man who was older and I was like, okay, this is obviously, this thing's broken. You know, I was like, this isn't working. There's no way. And, uh, yeah, it was, everything I said was accurate. And that experience, it wasn't the first psychic experience I had, but it was such a random one. It was one that I thought everything I was seeing and saying was wrong. There was nothing that I could have had to go off of. There was no astrology involved. There was, there was no tells. This was a stranger. We hadn't had any other conversations. And that moment I was like, Oh, huh? Maybe, maybe, maybe I am psychic. And you know, this is like in, in the world of mediumship and, and, you know, psychic stuff, the, the word evidential is, you know, used a lot. It's not, it's not a mysterious word, but it, it the more evidential, um, my, my, impulses, my instincts were the more confidence I had in them. And so therefore the more I developed them and I didn't go seeking it. And 
I generally didn't use it too much with astrology because astrology is its own system that, you know, kind of yields its own effective answers. It's hard for me to know how much I do use my intuitive understanding uh, and apply it to astrology because my intuitive understanding is so interwoven into my nature at this point. Um, but yeah, so I'm not sure if I exactly answered your question, but yeah, no, absolutely. So your um, you read, uh, does it have to be a piece of jewelry? I'm thinking more so for our listeners when they listen to this uh, episode and they go, I want Jessica to do a reading for me. Apart from <laughs> astrology, do they need to have a, a piece of jewelry or can you do it from a distance? Oh yeah. So, okay. So there's a couple things to that. I actually, that was one of the only experiences where I allowed somebody to give me something physically because it kind of stays with me. I, I do distance readings. I have clients all over the world and never do I need a person, you know, if I'm speaking with an animal, they don't need to be in the room. If I'm in psychically looking at something, I don't need a physical object. That said, I'm not taking clients at this time. I stopped because I saw the pandemic coming. I stopped scheduling people um, in 2020. And um, my wait list got so long that I stopped adding people to it. So unfortunately, the only way you can get a reading with me is through my uh, podcast at this point. And mm. uh, yeah, but so sorry. Sorry about that to everybody. No, Josh, no, also. that's there cool. <laughs> we, actually, we've had a couple of uh, people on the show, women on the show that did exactly the same thing. Stop doing readings because of what they saw in 2020. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was for me, it was a couple of things. I was booking a year in advance, my client load a year in advance, um, for a couple of years leading up. And so at the start of 2019, the end of 2018, I was just like, I need to close the calendar for 2020. And I, you know, I, I saw the pandemic coming. I saw it in 2017 and I knew it was coming in 2020. I was very concerned about a lot of things, but I didn't have as clear of a sense of like, okay, I have to stop taking clients at this time for this reason. I just knew with every fiber of my being, I needed to stop taking clients. And that was the first time I had stopped taking clients since the mid 1990s. Um, and you know, I think that it's really hard for an empath or a psychic to, to do consultations in times of, you know, great trauma and duress. And for me, the trans, the transition that I made was away from one-on-one -on -one work and into more of the one-on-many work. And that felt like it was more impactful and it was uh, kind of, it was something I could manage a little bit better. And Honestly, another part of it is I was just getting really demoralized by saying to people, maybe you should wait on opening that storefront. Maybe you should, you know, save your money a little bit more. It's just like, I felt like I was being really negative all the time in 2019. And, um, I just, it, it's, it's a really hard thing to make predictions around a pandemic because there's so much that is a variable that's based on so many things, including, you know, governments, which are really hard to predict into because of how many variables exist within them. Mm, absolutely. You're right. And I think it's also, you know, I, I look at it from a collective consciousness as well. It really depends on um, what timeline we're going to be sitting on. Um, are we going to allow to um, uh, be almost put at a halt because of fear or do yes. we continue to move maybe in a different way? Do we pivot in a different way and, and continue this, this movement rather than, you know, everything's at a halt, which it, which it is, which it is at the, well, especially for us at the moment. But um, yeah, and it is hard. So from an astrological point of view, were you able to see what was coming? Because that's another thing too. Astrologists were saying, we knew there was going to be something, there was going to be like so a financial crash or something, but we didn't know it was going to be the virus. I did. Um, I saw an airborne virus. Um, I didn't know the word pandemic at the time. Uh, I mean, I like technically knew it, but I didn't know it enough to use it. Now it's seared into my mind. Um, but I knew that there would be an airborne, uh, disease that would impact masses of people and that the governmental response would kill as many people as the virus itself. 
Um, and I was, I did not see that coming globally. I saw it coming in the U S and it's not because I didn't think it would happen, uh, globally. It's just, I could, I wasn't thinking that way. I wasn't looking that way. And this is something important for, you know, for people to remember is that when an astrologer or psychic is making predictions or looking at things, we're people and we're like limited by what we know, right? We're limited by what we have the personal capacity to hold. And I'll tell you when here in the U S Trump was elected. And then a few years later, when the pandemic hit, it was, it was a very stressful time. And it was especially stressful to see the things that I astrologically perceived to becoming from like being a result of these things, because I don't have any power, you know, I don't have any, um, political power is what I'm referring to or social power. I don't work with the CDC or the world health organization, you know, that kind of thing. And, and so because I, because my work is as much as possible focused on what is constructive and helpful there's no real value in me making negative predictions that are outside of our control. I like to really focus on what is within our control. So in 2017, when I saw this coming, I went on Instagram and I put up a highlight. It's still there. Um, it's an Amazon list of emergency supplies. I was just like, okay, these are things you should have in your toolkit in case there's an emergency. Um, and that was something constructive, you know? And, and so that's what I kind of focused on because there's nothing really to be done about a pandemic in advance other than have supplies at home. Mm, so true. So true. So as an astrologer, let's go there. Like what, and and let, let's put some positive light on it. Cause I know there's a couple of questions I have for you around astrology. What do you see? Do you see this? I mean, I feel, I feel it's going to end eventually. It's just a matter of when. Um, and I, I feel that, you know, there's there's a bit of a rumble, I call it a rumble, um, but we need to do that as a way to work through and move through and I think that at the end of it we will be in a better place for it, not in a mm. disrespectful way. What are your thoughts? Yeah. And do you mean uh, an end of the pandemic specifically? Yeah, I feel that, you know, already I can see there's been so many shifts. Like I think people have um, really uh, valued the simple things in life. Um, so when I'm talking about bringing light, you know, they've valued more family time. Um, yeah. They've valued, um, uh, uh, you know, valued the simple things like a walk. Uh, they valued having dinner at home with the family. What, what are that? There's just been a lot of value. Um, and even if we go beyond that, I think from an, um, you know, the earth has healed as well. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. you know, for me, I see, I, and it's probably, I, wear, I do wear pink glasses. So I do wear my raised <laughs> colored glasses all the time. And I do always look at, but what was been, what have been the great things from this? You know, yeah. like I know that for me and my husband, we've been playing more dominoes and chess and, you know, we had play and fun, you know, so which probably before we never had. Yes, that's beautiful. I love that. I mean, I don't wear rose-colored glasses. I kind of go the opposite direction. And I think, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of variables. Um, and, you know, while many people who have a lot of privileges, like, you know, class privileges and safety and home and family, this has been a great time. You know, I've also had a great time with my partner and I've really enjoyed getting to hide from the world and, and, uh, garden more and all that kind of stuff. Um, you know, for people who are living in unsafe situations, you know, for all of India right now, I mean, there's, there's so many ways that this is really tricky because so much of the world that is getting, that has access to the vaccine is seeing things improve with COVID in various ways, although in various ways, as we know, and in other places, it's worse than it's ever been. And, and I know you wanted me to go positive, so forgive me. Oh, oh no, no, but- no. Do you, you, do you go your way? That's this, <laughs> there, there is no wrong or right way. It's the right. way. It's it. Right. And, and for me, I, my concerns are that the pandemic, the climate crisis, uh, the economy, and rising tensions w- w- across the globe, uh, and 
forgive me, but a lack of legis a lack of um, protections around the internet. Uh, again, globally, I think these things are going to coalesce. They're all going to come together in coming years, and there will be some sort of reckoning that I don't think will be exclusive to any individual country. I think it will be again a global crisis, and that crisis may be one much like an individual crisis in consciousness, where really powerful humanitarian things, environmental things emerge, and it might not be, or it's most likely to be both or all of it, right? But I don't, you know, astrologically, we are going through so much currently. And one of the things that we are going through is called the transit of Uranus through Taurus. And the last time this happened was during um, World War II. And it was the rise of uh, kind of authoritarian leaders globally, right? Not just in one location. And it was, it, it is a time where what we value in humanity, what we value of this earth is called into question. And so the positive of that is exactly what your naming has emerged for so many people through the pandemic of really seeing the value in like your health, your ability to take a walk with your dog, like the little things that you might've overlooked or taken, taken for granted in the past. And the downside is we are seeing human right abuse, human rights abuses all over the world. And, uh, you know, I, I think that there's, there's so many ways that this can go, but what I, what I'd like to return to is if we maintain net neutrality and the ability to like tell our stories through the magic of podcasts and the internet in general, um, you know, writing all that kind of good stuff, if we maintain free press and, uh, all of that kind of good stuff, we have the potential to stay in communication with each other, take care of each other, advocate for each other, and understand that what happens in one region of the world impacts all of us, right? And we've seen that through COVID. And that was when COVID first kind of landed, it, there was this moment where all nations seemed to be connected, right? We, we were all concerned with each other and it was a beautiful thing. It didn't last, you know, it didn't last, but it certainly was a beautiful thing. And um, I think that, having had that, just a little taste of that, it's not going to completely go away. And it's something we can return to, um, you know, as, as a like human society. And I, I will say that I think, I think that the unique problem that the pandemic in, you know, 2020, 2021, has provoked is that we've never lived in such a global world where we all have not just access to travel, we have this entitlement around travel, right? Um, which is a wonderful thing. Uh, but in the context of a pandemic, a global pandemic, it's not such a wonderful thing because most humans haven't really made significant adjustments, right? Or not enough humans have made significant adjustments around how we travel, where we travel. And so I think that's going to be part of our reckoning, you know, is, is really understanding the world and, and our place within it and our responsibility to each other. So again, not the most <laughs> necessarily uplifting thing, but that is, that is, um, the, the most gentle form of my take. Mm, no. And I do love that. And I, I love the fact that you, um, uh, were talking about, uh, Saturn, um, squaring Uranus, in a way, when you were saying the last time that was the case, that was in World War Two. In a way, we are kind of like going through a a war. Um, yes. In, yes. In a very different manner, but we are yes. going through a war. Um, I call it an etheric war because of all the things that are taking place. There are many moving parts to this. Um, you know, and I look at Uranus. As you know, well, the Saturn always seeing like the authoritarian, uh, you know father figure or parent and Uranus is that rebellious little child um, mm -hmm. and that's kind of how I see it. so it's this almost like how do we bring balance to those dichotomy these complete opposites is what yeah. I always look at how do we bring them and integrate them and 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 put them in a place where there is integration there is communication connection balance what yes, are your thoughts yeah. So Saturn and Uranus form a square to each other, which is a 90 degree angle to each other approximately, I think it's every 14 years or so. But what's unique is that when the planet Uranus moves through the sign of Taurus, that's, that's 
you know, a slow moving planet. It's rare. So again, the last time it happened was during World War II. So when we look at these unique energies that we're currently going through in 20, all of 2021 and into 2022 of Saturn in the sign of Aquarius, which is um, society's taking responsibility for the ways in which we are or are not humanitarian, right? This is the last time that Saturn was in Aquarius is when the internet was created. It was when the World Wide Web was made available. We are going through a period that has everything to do with the maturization of the role of the internet and how governments do or do not take responsibility for managing the freedom of the internet and safety on the internet across the world. Um, now having that happen at the same time that Uranus is in the sign of Taurus, this tells us a number of things that the economy is going to take a direct hit because Taurus is a sign associated with currencies. Um, and we saw in the last time that Uranus was in Taurus that not only, you know, did the economy take a major hit, but women went to work during world war two, right? So women were pulled out of the home and given jobs. Jobs. And it was not the same after that, right? Even when men came back and they tried to shove women back into the house, it didn't quite work like that. And so when we look at a time like Uranus and Taurus, other things occurred as well around like the automization of uh, like access to like it, quick foods. Uh, I'm, I'm losing my words here, but you know, like foods that are quick and easy to make and eat so that women didn't have to be in the kitchen all the time. Right. Um, these things are all about value and they're about the economy and they're about creating tools and resources that support us in living lives that have more value to us, right? That's, that's the positive. When we see the tension between these two planets in these specific zodiac signs, we have the tension of us um, creating a world or on an individual level, a life that has value, that is authentic and true and flexible, right? And responsive to what's happening and flexible enough, but that doesn't happen at the expense of those around us. So a societal example of that is like, you know, uh, women, white women of affluence being able to go out in the world, but you know, women of color being uh, in a position where they're managing homes, you know, those white women's homes. Like there's a way that we have to see all the levels and layers of our liberation and our wellness and our freedoms as interconnected to make sure that uh, it is truly humane, it is truly ethical, right? And uh, it's when we look at this Saturn Uranus square, we see the potential, and I mean this very specific one, we see the potential of developing greater care, both legislatively, functionally, but also spiritually and emotionally, developing greater care for people who are different than us people who have different lived experience, different resources, different perspectives, instead of going off into our individual corners and being like, you're bad, you're good, which is the negative potential of this, you know, this struggle is, is, um, saying these people are bad, these people are good and having more polarized, um, kind of like fractions, uh, or factions of, of people. And this is a really important material crisis that has its roots, of course, like every other crisis and every other advantage in, in the spirit and in the spiritual realm. So I think one of the big takeaways that I hope people have uh, of, of this period is that our individual wellness is intricately interwoven with the wellness of others. And when we focus on self-care and uh, self-development, to really continue to consider how that trickles down onto others and, and how that works for others. Right. And mm -hmm. no one can be perfect, but I think it's about, it's really important to be able to consider these things, uh, in this increasingly global world. Now I took it in a whole damn direction. So I hope that's okay. Oh no, you know, and as I was listening to what you were saying, it's so true. Like I, and I was having this conversation just not that long ago. I think it was on mother's day actually with my brother that I don't understand. I don't watch the news. So, uh, because I think I told you before I came on the show, I'm a, a massive empath, very sensitive to, you know, other people, other countries, what's going on. And, you know, we'll lose sleep over it. We'll get anxious and you name it. Um, but for me, there's, there's this, um, this sense of am I really hearing and seeing what's going on um, because I feel like there's this great separation happening 
and we were having this conversation there's there's this sense of uh, sensitivity around us in in such a way that I've never experienced in my whole entire life I mean I'm 55 so it's it's like I've not that I've had a long life, but it's been long enough to go, well, I've never experienced this uh, kind of, um, I guess, you know, this energy that's around us at the moment when we really, we are beyond everything else. We are one, we are spirit, we are human. And what and what's happening, I feel at this stage, there's this great separation taking place. Mm. Um, and that that, if anything, concerns me. Yeah. Yeah. It is, it is deeply concerning and, you know, and it's, there is as much of a separation as there is a greater coming together. They're both happening at once and they're very loud. And, you know, as an empath also myself, I actually consume a great deal of news. I every day consume uh, domestic news here in the U S and I, and I, you know, read, uh, at least one source of international news. I'm really concerned with the news because I'd like to know what I'm being impacted by. And it helps me to be a kind of better citizen. That's my take. And not everybody is like that. I have a high tolerance for being stressed out. Um, but I, I really, I, I am, um, you know, as a medium, personally, me, I have been experiencing in the last month here in the US, COVID rates, COVID deaths, are going down. But my experience as a medium is that there is so much more suffering and death in the world. And at first I was like, wait, what's happening? And then I just, I just looked to India and I see what's happening is an unparalleled crisis. It is really, really upsetting. It's really devastating. And, um, it's happening. I mean, there's so much to say about that, but, but it is good as an empath, as a medium, as a sensitive person or a concerned person to have a, at least a kind of like a general sense of what is happening. And then because it, it helps to, to understand, okay, so I can send energy to this place in the world. I can send money to this place in the world. I can cultivate more awareness. And, and if, only if I'm only doing spiritual work, which I don't mean to say only like it's not much, it's a lot, but even if it's only spiritual work to, to direct light and energy and resiliency and hope uh, to places that need it. Right. Mm, Because we get too localized and in this world with the second round of Saturn and Aquarius uh, that we're in, we now have access to not just news organizations take on what's happening, but through social media and through podcasting and YouTube and everything, we have access to individuals on the ground sharing their lived experience. And it can help us to become better uh, citizens, you know, better like global citizens, I mean. And again, I'm really passionate about that, but everybody's going to have their own way. And it's important that we honor our ways. And also during 2021 through 22, when we're going through the Saturn square to Uranus to challenge our ways, to, to be open to exploring, why do I handle it this way? Is it actually in my best interest? Have I outgrown this way? Uh, maybe it never worked. Maybe it once worked and it no longer does. Maybe I just need to question it, but I'm going to leave it all the same. But it is a time to question how we manage our realities and how we show up for our communities. And uh, the astrology of this period simply demands it. It just demands it. And, you know, depending on one's individual experience and circumstances, that's going to look radically different from person to person, but it is something that I think about a lot. Mm. And I'll just add one more thing as an astrologer. Um, astrology is a tool for understanding history as much as it is a tool for me, you know, understanding your love life. Right. And so we can look at, uh, the timeline of major political and social events and through astrology, understand them in a different way. And then also understand when those cycles will reoccur and why they're reoccurring, what they're likely to trigger. And this is where, you know, when we're looking at things like world war or, you know, climate crisis or any of these kinds of things can be really helpful. So, uh, I'm, I'm a big fan of, again, all of this kind of stuff. And it, it's all at the end of the day, you know, comes down to your personal capacity, of course. So I have lots of space for different ways of doing the thing, but mm. that's my way. 
I love the way that you call it the thing. And look, I'm with you. Like I'm all, I meditate. I have my morning practice, morning pages, journaling, meditation, visualization. And I do always send love and light to those uh, people and countries in need. Um, so I, I, I do my, I guess, as you said, you find your own way. And I think also what I resonated with, with what you were saying is um really going deep as in what else do I need to let go of not not so much what do I need to attain what do I need to achieve it's what do I need to let go of and start letting go of those narratives those beliefs and and really questioning myself Uh, and that's I guess that's the thing that I've been doing a lot of since this uh, lockdown is really doing you know the shadow work going really deep and letting go of some of the stuff that no longer serves me which has been quite quite profound quite profound so the other question i had is the solar eclipse talk us through what we're about to step into there so there's going to be a solar eclipse on june 10th 2021 and we just went through a lunar eclipse may 26th now the date might be a little off for you because you're in australia um and i'm in california so you might have it on a the day before the day after but the forthcoming so first i should say eclipses always happen in pairs. The solar eclipse happens on a new moon and the lunar eclipse happens on a full moon. And this particular solar eclipse has a lot going on. The sun and moon are conjoined at 19 degrees of Gemini in 47 minutes. So it's like a nice, sweet uh, eclipse in Gemini where Mercury is very closely conjoined to the sun and moon. And we have a lot to, I could talk about it a lot and I don't want to get too, too technical, but I will say this. This eclipse is likely to kick up some confusion and that confusion is essentially spiritual in nature. So if you know, you are a really spiritual person, this might be a spiritual crisis. It might be that you um, are really impacted by energies uh, around you or people around you. If you're not as spiritually identified, this could simply feel like anxiety, or even if you are spiritually identified, uh, this can feel like a really kind of anxiety provoking, um, eclipse. And the reason why is because Neptune is forming a square to all the Gemini planets there. And what that tends to do is force us to seriously consider our boundaries and Anyone who's ever had a boundary knows the only reason why you have boundaries is because they have been crossed or you're concerned that they might be crossed. And so this is where, you know, having boundaries is, um, is of course an act, but if it doesn't come from some sort of spiritual clarity, it's an act that's hard to sustain. This solar eclipse is an opportunity to get more spiritually and deeply, uh, aligned with our boundaries what is healthy, you know, where can we be fluid and where can we not? The other thing about this eclipse that's really important is that Mars and Pluto are opposite each other and they were opposite each other in the last eclipse as well. And this kicks up defenses and anger issues, resentments. And so this is coming at a time where so many people are so frustrated with COVID restrictions and what it means for them economically or personally. It might come up in your personal life in a radically different way. It might be, you know, here in the U.S., we have a very violent society and a lot of violence uh, happening. So the the lesson uh, of this eclipse, kind of very broadly speaking, is around how we embody our feelings and how will we act on our feelings. And whether or not we have healthy boundaries with ourselves and then with others will be really instructive to how this goes for each of us. Right. And so the, the eclipse, any eclipse, I should say, um, the effects take about six months to fully play out. So you may or may not have a really dramatic day on June 10th and it's exactly at 3:53 AM Pacific. And uh, I don't have the exact date for you in Melbourne, but, um, the, you, regardless of whether it's like super dramatic or not super dramatic on that date, it's going to take about six months to unpack itself, right? To play itself out in your life or in society. So if you're going to read the news, this is a good couple few days, like around this eclipse to read the news and see what's happening in the world and to see how these themes play out on the global stage or on the domestic stage. And then in your own life to really pay attention, not only to how those themes run 
inside of you, but how they're running in the people around you, because you might be doing tra-la-la, very good. And everyone around you might be really defensive and anxious. And you're like, then you respond to their energy. Right. So, and that would then be your transit. So I hope that makes sense. Oh, absolutely. As, as you were as soon as you said boundaries, I, I'm uh, Pisces, my moon's in Scorpio and my ascendant is in Scorpio. I don't even know what boundaries are. So bring it on. <laughs> <laughs> then you are going to love this transit. Let me tell you, it's a, it's, it's a doozy whopper. And I will say that, you know, we are currently going through a Mercury retrograde, May 29th through June 22nd of 2021. And, uh, it's influenced by the same major transits, Neptune forming a square and Pluto and Mars being opposite each other. And so this is it. Like June, were you hoping to have an easy chill June? Ha ha ha. The universe says no. Uh, the universe wants us to work on boundaries and embodiment and to understand that being embodied mentally, emotionally, spiritually, when we feel anxious is so healthy. It's very difficult, but part of having healthy boundaries is simply remembering to stay present with your thoughts and feelings without seeking an answer or a fix. When mm. we can stay present with ourselves, that is when we start to have more options. We can see things more. We have a kind of a broader perspective and that broader perspective inevitably comes along with more options. And more options is always a good thing when we're anxious or defensive. Mm, I love that. And I do, I, I, um, I think I told you before going shop, I, I do experience anxiety and it's, I always say it's my gift because when I feel it, it actually is calling me to come back in my body because I'm not in my body. I'm not in my center. I'm not in my heart. I'm externally thinking about somebody else or something or so I, um, I have those experiences and it is, it, yeah. I do practice being present as often as possible, which then kind of like dissolves the anxiety, which is beautiful. Yeah. That is a really beautiful thing. And I think, you know, if, if somebody's listening to this and they're like, yeah, I do that. And I don't, nothing gets dissolved. I would just simply say, that's okay. We're all different. And also I, you know, I wonder if it's always been that this action, you know, is so effective because I think what, what I have seen through my consultancy and in my own personal life is all of this stuff, this spiritual work, it builds with repetition. So it gets stronger and better with repetition, just like unhealthy or self-destructive habits gain steam <laughs> and they get stronger with repetition. So it's, it's also, if you're like new to boundary work or new to spiritual work, I think it's really valuable to remember. It doesn't have to have spectacular event, you know, outcomes immediately stay with the work. Mm, that's it. And it, everyone's going to respond differently. You've got to find your own way. I think that's that's the thing for me. I, when I first experienced it, I Googled, never Google, of course, anything because, you know, you always receive the worst information possible. But it's finding your own way, whatever that way is for you that works for you. Yes, yes. So before we wrap up the show, I would love to talk about your book and your app. So your book is Astrology for Real Relationships, Understanding You, Me and How We All Get Along. What are, our, uh, what are our listeners expected to find in the book? So this book is different than most astrology books uh, in that it is not a sun sign astrology book. So if you're, you know, a Gemini, you're, you're Pisces and you're like, okay, I'm going to flip to the Pisces section. You're not going to find one. There's no Pisces section. What I've done is I've broken the book into three separate sections. There's friendships and chosen family. So it's like your community. Um, and there's early stages of dating and hooking up with people that, that moment when you're dating people and you're like, is this going anywhere? I don't know yet. Or when you're just dating someone and you don't necessarily want it to go anywhere. And then the third and final section is about long-term committed relationships. So first of all, what's different about this book is I address a multitude of relationship types instead of just marriage style relationships. Because in my experience, most people, when they turn to astrology, it's, not inherently for marriages. Um, it's for dating or it's for friends and community. So I go through in each section, all of the 10 planets, sun through Pluto, and talk about their significance in the context of each kind of relationship. And then you can go through and be like, okay, so my son is in Pisces and it's in the fifth house. So you read about son in Pisces and son in the fifth house, again, in the context of, first of all, friendship. And then you can look at that, those same data points in the context of, you know, romantic 
casual relationships. And then the same data points in the context of long-term committed romantic relationship. And not only does it, you know, give you insight to address all of these issues, but what it also does is it teaches you how to essentially look at the same data point from multiple angles. So you have a more comprehensive and nuanced understanding of that data point. So that's, that's the approach I took when writing the book. And, uh, again, it was a little bit of a sell for my publisher, you know, cause it, it, it's not how these books are usually written, but I think it's a more substantive way of, uh, looking at and understanding astrology. I love it. And Jessica, I've got a smile on my face because my son, Piscean son, is in my fifth house. You are psychic. <gasps> yeah, there you like, go. I remember saying it. I was like, am I pandering right now? I can't yeah, I think you are. You're, you're tapping in. Absolutely. There you go. There you go. I love a son. Son of the fifth house is fun. It's just fun. Um, so yeah, so that there is that. And then the other thing is I have an app called astrology for days. I actually have two apps, but, uh, tiny spark is an iOS app that you can download for free. It's not an astrology app though. It's just like a magic eight ball, but, um, astrology for days is in beta now. And, uh, after mercury is no longer retrograde at the end of June of 2021, it will be like out of beta, but it's an astrology. Tr it's a transit tracker for astrology students of all levels and, uh, professional astrologers. So it does not come with interpretations. Instead, it uses glyphs, astrological glyphs. So if you don't know how to read the glyphs, this is not going to be your favorite app. Um, but it, it comes with the glyphs and it tells you exactly where the moon is at all times. It tells you where all the planets are and the transits that are happening in the world. And there's, uh, and, and within the calendar, you can take limitless notes. And so in this way, my hope because there's so much noise in the world of astrology and on the internet. My hope is that people will, like students, will coalesce the information they're getting from their favorite YouTubers, podcasters, bloggers, astrology apps, and put it in the notes section, and then develop their own theories based on their lived experience. So the way to learn astrology is through study, of course, but also experience. You want to vet your experience. And this is a tool that fosters independent study and exactly that. And then for professionals, it's just a really effective tool for organizing one's workflow. So it's called Astrology for Days and is a web-based app. So you can use it on any device that gets internet. Mm, I love it. And I, I think as well, what you were saying is when you can either look at astrology and have a look at what's playing out in the world, you know, like having a look at what's on the news and, 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 and uh, like reflecting that what's, what's, what's happening astrologically, yes. you can start sort of, like you said, your experience and seeing how it's playing out. I love it. Yes, yes, absolutely. And we'll have as of June 1st, Australian time zones will be uh, added to the calendar. So I'm really excited about that. Awesome. Thank you. Yes. So uh, as we wrap up the show, we always love to ask this question to our woman of inspiration to pick one word that best describes your personal brand. So Jessica, what would be that one word for you? Oh, oh no. Sorry. I just had FOMO. I was like, but all the words, there's so many words. Um, I guess in integrity, I really try to bring, I try, I do my utmost to center my integrity in everything I put into the world. Beautiful. And the last question we always love to ask our woman of inspiration, uh, what are three shiny golden nuggets that you would like to leave for our listeners today? And that could be like three practical exercises. Okay. One is cultivating presence with emotions doesn't only happen with positive and easy emotions. So learning how to be present with your difficult to bear emotions is a kindness that you're giving yourself. When you abandon yourself, when you feel badly, you're not, you're not being a kind friend. So that's one thing. The other thing is in the conversation of trying to listen to and understand your intuition, it is important to remember that your intuition is never anxious in, in tone. Intuition is neutral in tone and anxiety feels like anxiety. It smells like anxiety. It tastes like anxiety. So if you're feeling anxious, it's not intuition. And then the third thing I would say is, hmm. And the third thing I would say is 
I don't know. Uh, put put your feet on the ground if you can. Uh, and if you have a physical reason why you can't put your feet on the ground, then do whatever it is that works for you to get grounded, to remember that you are connected to this earth and that this earth is an ally, that your body is an ally through this life. Mm, I love all of them. And Jessica, where would be the best place for our listeners to find you? Mm, I, you know, I have an Instagram account that I'm pretty active on um, and I'm at Jessica Lignato on that platform. You can listen to my podcast every week. It's called Ghost of a Podcast and read my book, get my apps. Uh, I'm sure I have other things, but I'm really bad at remembering. (laughs) Um, So yeah, and, and I do have some some astrology classes. If you're kind of a, an astrology student for sale on my website, you can just spend a lot of time, uh, on, on my website. I have lots of free goodies and stuff like that. Mm, I highly, highly recommend our listeners check out the website. There are lots of goodies and I love, I think the first thing that I said to Jessica when we got on, uh, this show, it was just how funky and cool everything is about her. So just love her style, her energy. I just want to say thank you so much for coming on the show, sharing your wealth of wisdom, your time and energy with us. Oh, it's been such a joy. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. Thank you so very much for listening to today's episode. If you loved what you heard and this topic really resonated with you and you think it will help others, please share the show with your friends to help us make a difference. And if you want to be part of our mission to help empower the conscious people of this world to learn and grow, then the best way to help us achieve this goal is by giving us a good review on iTunes or please subscribe to the show. The more subscribers, the better the speakers for the show, which then means more value for you so that together we can help the world become a better place. Don't give it another thought. Hit that subscribe button and help people get their weekly lessons. And when you do, please be sure to let us know by sending us an email to collect your special gift where you have a choice from six guided meditations or an e-book to soothe your soul. Now, if you have any questions or special guests that you would like to hear from, please send us an email to support at katherineplano.com.au and we will get right back to you. You can also follow us on Instagram or Facebook at Catherine Plano. Until next week, please take care of yourself. Much love and gratitude. Thank you.